Totally Football Show. Today, ragazzi e Spurs. We review an epic night at Wembley. The goals, the genie, the Giorgio Collini. Elsewhere, there's a blast for Blase City after Basel beating. We ask, Jules, you okay, hun? As PSG crash out again. Then it's on to the weekend. Man United, Liverpool at Old Trafford. Biggest battle for seconds since Oliver Twist hit the workhouse. Will this be another gruelling encounter? There's Watford Arsenal. What's the name of the player who's been booked? That's right. And what on earth are they doing to Dulwich Hamlet? It's the Totally Football Show. Totally Football Show da, 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 with Julien Laurent. Bonjour. Hello, Julien. Hello. How are you? Very good. Not good. So good. Ah, uh, come on. And there's always next season. I mean, you know, there's, there's always a next season, which yeah. is good. Uh, you're an Arsenal fan as well, aren't you? <laughs> kind of, yeah. It's going to be a busy year next year. <laughs> <laughs> also here today, James Horncastle. That's right. And fresh in from the number one podcast. Thanks for the mention. I was going to ask if I had mentioned it today. No, mention oh. it away. The number one podcast, which is the number one. It probably was the number one podcast when you when you dropped that, wasn't it? David Priest. Good morning. Good morning, everyone. Good morning. Tell us more, David. Yeah, it's a goalkeeper-specific podcast that's myself and Lloyd Griffiths are doing. Yeah, mm. uh, We've seen a little hole in the market, a gap in the market, so we've uh, plopped ourselves right in, inside it. Some <laughs> choice for yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Lovely. Very graphic. Okay. Yeah. Excellent. Well, we'll ask you lots of number one related questions today, but we're going to start with the old lady's Juve Wembley win. Wow. Paulino Di Paola ha segnato la Juventus è passata in vantaggio la Juventus yeah, that was the sound of the Juve comeback that caught so many people by surprise Paolo Di Paola scoring his first Champions League goal in 11 months now there's a feeling and it's quite widespread that Juve were, were only the better side for about 15 maybe minutes of the 100 80 played would you go along with that James Horncastle yeah I think that's fair but this is the Champions League and Juventus know um, because they've spoken about this in the past that if you blink if you take a moment to catch your breath there are players good enough at this level who will punish you and uh, that's what happened I think uh, last night for Spurs Allegri's changes after an hour um, really affected the game. He wanted to get more width. And uh, you see, there's a great clip on Twitter uh, of Licksteiner basically completely orchestrating uh, the move uh, for their first goal when he came on. And yeah, all of a sudden, they were outnumbering Spurs uh, in, in, in wide areas and uh, made them pay. And yeah, I think it was... it was uh, Chiellini was, was brutally honest afterwards in saying that we knew they were fragile mentally and we knew that they would fade at that game mm. uh, at, that, at that stage of the game and um, and, and and so they did Kalini's post-game performance almost as impressive as his as, as the one he gave during the, the 90 not only trolling Spurs in a very polite fashion <laughs> but also of course with that massive shout out to Davide Astori whose funeral is taking place as we speak in, in, in Florence in very emotional scenes there and all of this in English yeah I mean he's a uh, both him and his brother are two smart cookies. Claudio Chiellini works for the club. Basically, if you want to loan a player from uh, from Juve, you go to Claudio. And um, 
Well, Giorgio's got a uh, a master's in uh, in business, and um, yeah, has, has very quietly been learning and speaking uh, very good English, mm. and um, I thought came across very well uh, when he was talking about uh, Astori. And I don't think he was showing any kind of lack of respect towards Spurs when he he, he suggested that they were they were fragile. I think um, Chiellini is a student of the of the game. Uh, and recognize. I mean, he was talking about, for example, Juventus's own identity last year, when teams uh, fans were expected them to, you know, um, blow teams away in the Champions League, you know, three or four nil. So that's just not Juve. Mm. You know, we are a team that win games one nil, and we, you know, we like to we like to suffer. Um, and I think you know he recognizes that Spurs. Well, there's that, you know, they are Spursy um, sometimes, and I think he was just tipping his hat to that. Although, how Spursy was it going out three two to a side that's been finalists in, in two of the last three seasons in the Champions League. It's certainly not like last year when they crashed out the Europa League against Ghent. My moment of the season so far, though, David, was Buffon and Chiellini roaring in each other's eyes. Something I think maybe we should do right. here in the the pod. It just looked fantastic. And not just that, it was when um, Buffon's taken the, the low cross at the near post and Chiellini's come across and he just started giving them kidney punches in the, oh, in, yeah. in the back. Yeah. And it just, but more than anything, it just shows the. the the camaraderie and the the connection that they've got was it eight mm. eight seasons a bit together a bit yeah. longer nine seasons and it was um, it, it all knits the defence together and the way the defendants they they threw everything in in front of the goal to, to stop Spurs scoring near the end and if uh, if Kaylini had been in, uh, in in front of JFK in uh, in in Texas <laughs> he'd have stopped both bullets <laughs> wow that is in no way inappropriate nice. <laughs> you know can't sue can he uh, no. Jules, you were there. How bad should Spurs feel after this? It's a good one. I, I don't know. I think they were Spursy. You do? Yeah, I think they In bottled it. In what way? What, what I think they you bottled it. I think Pochettino was too slow to react to Allegri's changes when they went 4-4-2 after an hour, like, like James said. I don't understand why there was no straight reaction. And also, it was not so much the 4-4-2. It's like for a few minutes already before that, mm. you could see the inten- their, intensi- their intensity, Spurs' intensity, had dropped. Even in the stadium. I don't know, James was in, in posh seats. He was not in the, press, in the press box with me. But from the press box, it felt like even the crowds, it, they took it for granted. I would swear they took it for granted that they were going to go through. They were, they were in control of the game. Mm. Juve, look at the bench. There was, there was no offensive attacking players on the bench, for example. Well, this was the point the commentators were making. There's nobody on the bench who's a game changer. It did look like Juve's jig was oh. up, but yeah, let's but, come but, on to the changes. Yeah, but exactly. So if you don't have any attacking... What, usually what you do is you bring an attacking player on yeah. and you, 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 you tweak something and everything. The genius of Allegri last night is that with no extra attacking player, he won the game. Right. Tactically. And a point that Daniel Sturridge made this morning, which I really like, is the fact that he didn't just make two changes, but he made them with a slight pause in between them to kind of unsettle further Spurs. Allegri made two substitutions in three minutes rather than both at the same time, intending to cause confusion in Tottenham ranks as they figured out the first switch just as the second was happening. It was remarkable. Licksteiner, who hadn't appeared in the Champions League since when? Well, it was his first game of the season because he'd been left out of yeah, the squad. On the yeah. List, yeah, And he just immediately came on and was the boss. Yeah. And uh, I think, uh, as you were saying, you know, his substitutions last night were Asamoah, Licksteiner and Stefano Stularo, right? <laughs> the night before, Zidane brought on Cruz, Isco and Bale, <laughs> OK? And I think this is one of the things why, when people try to understand what makes Allegri a great coach, I think it is his ability to, to read a game, judge a moment in a game, and uh, I always remember Gattuso saying about him, 
he's a fantastic poker player. Um, and I think he, he played his cards just right in that moment of the game. Mm. You know what was... So the, when you were in the, in the mix zone then, in, like inside the, the, the Wembley Stadium, the, the, the away team's coach is literally at, at the door. So yeah. as, as you're waiting for the players to walk past you, then they go straight into their coach. And for example, Barzagli and Buffon were, didn't go straight into the coach. They were talking to two directors of Juve and clearly replaying the game and having a laugh. And they were still so buzzing after that win. And that's why you see like they've won so many games. They came back so many times. They're almost immortal. But yeah, after a game like only in the last 16, it, it looked like almost they'd won the whole thing. That was very nearly Buffon's last ever game yeah. in the Champions League. So, but still. And then the weirdest thing ever is that Kellini went to the doping test. And Lee Steiner was on the coach and at some point he came down and said, like, what's going on? We have to go now. He was literally the boss of the whole club. We saw, we saw Marotta, we saw Agnelli, we saw everybody walking past us. But Lee Steiner was the one saying, like, where's Chiellini? Come on, we have to go. Went to the dressing room, get him, got, got him in the dressing room, took him into the coach and then they left after that. Wow. And you think, like, okay, Lee Steiner is, is old now. He's a French player. He's this, no, no, he's more than that. He's... Last night, he was the boss. He was like, how come we're still here? We have a cash to play. Come on, let's get everybody. It was amazing. It was really amazing. Well, people forget that he's been there throughout this winning run. You know, um, you, know you associate this Juve with Buffon, Chiellini uh, and Barzagli. Um, but you know, Marchisio and Nick Steiner have been there all the way through as well and uh, are very much part of that, setting the tone, having that winning mentality. Mr. Podge asking, Allegri, how much longer will he stay at Juve? And if he does come to England, what's his most likely destination? Well, look, I think... Um, there's been a lot of talk of, of Chelsea looking at a new manager and Allegri, I think in some respects, uh, considering how he followed Conte at Juve and basically showed that all of the things that Conte thought he couldn't achieve with Juventus could be achieved, I think that's something that appeals. But he signed a new contract until 2020 and again last night when he was asked about this, I think in other years he's, he's been happy to leave the door open. I think this year he's, he's, he's very much... Um, aligned to staying with Juve um, and they are with him and that um, you know, I think this, t- this time of year last year and the year before there's a lot of rumours about him going somewhere mm. this year there's not and okay. I think he's, he's, he's killed them as much as he, he gets credit for making those changes in the at half time well, sorry in the second half he did get wrong in the, initially you know, Son had so much room in that first half, it was unbelievable. But from a Spurs point of view, it's not the fact that they, they found a way to lose the game. They just don't know how to win these games now. And I think that you look you look at them defensively, and Pochettino said last night about two mistakes. You need Eric Dyer needs to have wing mirrors on his shoulders. Because in both instances, there's players just running off the back of him, mm. and uh, because he's, if he's playing further forward in midfield, you know he, he he's kind of not worried as much what's behind because there are players there. But they had an overload last night, and uh, we're talking about Iguain uh, when you know when he gets the ball and turns, and, and Sanchez goes the wrong side and he turns the other way. Chiellini would it would not have happened with Chiellini. Chiellini would have been stuck to his back and he wouldn't be able to turn and play that ball through. Juve didn't give anything away. Spurs created well, they, the chances. They kind of did. No, but yeah, but because Spurs created the chances oh, right, okay. themselves. If you want, if you see what I mean, they uh-huh. didn't give them a mistake to create a chance or score right. a goal. But if you give Juve and Dybala and Higuain and people like that a mistake to create something, they will do it and they will punish you. Yeah, I am slightly at odds with this 
idea that Juve, that, that Spurs found a way to lose the game, that Juve were only good for a little bit. I think the last half hour was some masterful oh, game management. Really, really. And they, they could well have been 1-0 up from that uh, penalty, penalty, penalty yeah. from Douglas Costa in the, in the first half. And and Douglas the, the, Costa. Ref, the ref couldn't <laughs> see it. The ref couldn't see it, really, could he? Well, the, the, <laughs> <laughs> to, to be fair, there was, there was two contacts, and I think the first contact is enough to give a penalty. It's, it's kind of the trip on his trailing leg. And even though he's that close, it's kind of behind him. So I, no. I, no, no, but is he your friend? I, I'm not. Def- you, I'm not defending the fifth, the guy the fifth official, but I think the linesman is the one who can give it in that in that position because he has got uh, sort of a sideways view of it and he can see more of the trip than the guy in front. Mm. So between the three of them, they should certainly yeah. have come up with it. All right. Well, Georgia Collini finished with most tackles, most clearances, most <laughs> blocks. And Duncan Alexander pointed this out. What was what, what did Gazetta say this morning? Well, they called them the Lions of Wembley. The Lions of Wembley. Yeah. yeah. All right. Well, the, the keep said the old lady and the. The little kids. Oh yeah. Because at times they look like they look, they look like kids. But it's a learning course, curve. It's the process. They will learn from this. And they, oh, I really believe it. You know. It's, yeah, I, I completely agree. I don't think it was a disastrous night for, from Spurs. But come a hell of they, a long way. Yeah, in this yeah. Champions League campaign. We should be. Uh, well, no, but I, I think it's not there easy. Was, uh, a lot of the criticism last night was, oh, they were naive. They've really shown themselves to be inexperienced. They didn't show that against Real Madrid. They didn't show that no, against Borussia true. Dortmund. Yeah, they were excellent yeah, for eighty stage, minutes yeah, away. Yeah, but stages games. You know, it's different. Group stages is different. And then, there is then those, still this those... question, which Matt Thirty Five sends in: How can a simple formation change baffle one of the best teams in England? Which is that a fair reading of what happened? Do you think? Well, look, I mean, it was a, it was a one-two punch, wasn't it? They scored the, the they got the first goal and then the second goal. How many minutes between the Three. two? Three minutes. I think that's that's pretty difficult to. It completely changes the game. I think it was pretty difficult for them to to, to react yeah. to that. It's a red zone after that first one, you know, for the next four or five minutes. That's you see a lot of teams concede straight away after right. after that. Spurs will try and bounce back this weekend at Bournemouth, who they beat one 0 at Wembley earlier this season. Kane, Harry Kane, has a remarkable record against the Cherries. He's got six in his last four meetings with them. All right, we'll pause. And then, Jules, let's have a good old chat about PSG. <laughs> You're listening to the Totally Football Show, sponsored by Paddy Power, the home of the Money Back Special. Keep listening to the end of the podcast to find out more. Atish Kulkarni says, can you spend the entire episode talking about Paris Saint-Germain with Julien? Oh. There's plenty to say, isn't there, Julien? Yeah, there is, there is. Let, let's, let's put to bed the whole uh, investment, uh-huh. money thing, Why? one billion... Uh-huh. Uh, this and that. Real Madrid spent a billion euros between 2002 and 2011, being Real Madrid already, uh-huh. and didn't win any Champions League at all. Okay. Right? So don't give me the whole you spend so you expect to win. That's not true. No one said that they were expected to win the Champions League because they spent a, million, a billion euros. They spent a billion euros to put out the most competitive team they could, mm-hmm. right? And Okay, in a way, maybe that means that they try to, to buy the Champions League, but this, this is not the way you should see it anyway. But they went into this game without the most expensive player in that yeah. team. And is, the, is the point that much as people used to say about Man City when they were struggling in the, the Champions League, that they just need to get easier draws? Because coming up against Real Madrid, it's about as tough as it gets. Yeah, I think so. And Barcelona. And they, they never had... I mean, they wanted to finish top of their group uh, stage this year. And they got Real Madrid. Bayern finished second. They got Besiktas. So it just shows you, you know, exactly. It shows you that, you know, and they were finding up after after the first leg, Bayern. So I think you need, yeah, you need a, you need a bit of 
of things going your way at right. times in the draw. However, they were they could have been much better in that second leg. Yeah. They should have been better. Well, it I was think disappointing. setting everything up with this media campaign, ensemble, on vol affaire, and uh, driving around outside the hotel till six in the morning, honking horns. <laughs> one thirty. That was just Julian. <laughs> yeah, you saw me at the beginning of the video. I'm just escaping <laughs> through Rue Marbet. And and on all that business. So it, it was a bit of an anticlimactic performance then. There was, was no performance. No yeah. performance from PSG. The only performance was from the fans. Because whether you like flares or not, I don't care if you oh, do. It looked amazing, you didn't it? It looked fantastic. Particularly in the second half, David, it was their own goalkeeper who was basically, well, literally marooned, actually, <laughs> yeah. in, the, in, in, that, in the smoke. In the smoke. How would, how would you have reacted had you been that PSG keeper? Well, it, it did all right. Actually, Arioli, I thought, think over the two legs, he's mm. probably the one player to come up with a bit of credit. But... Um, yeah, I, I, I used to hate all the um, all the ticker tape that used to come oh, yeah. from behind the goal. Cause you used to get caught in your boots, didn't like that. Right. Have you ever had that kind of a smoky... It must be quite hard to bring. No, You've never got hit know. by a flare. No, Flares is not no. really no. English. No, no, no but there was, there was a game we played Liverpool in. Uh, it was like a centenary game up, up in Aberdeen, uh-huh. and somebody let off like a sort of. I think it was like a, a naval flare or something. It was like a, it turns out it was about a big metal rod. Apparently, it came from outside the stadium, and it missed Michael Owen and the uh, lad Michael Hart who played for us. It missed them by inches, bounced off the ground, and into the stand where there was there was nobody in that corner, wow. and it was this huge metal sort of uh, rocket. Jeepers! Yeah. Oh. Anyway, well, th- All right. those are the pilot points, the one yeah. you hold up. Yeah, yeah. But the funny thing is, there's a body search for the ultras in Paris. I don't know how they were searched, but to bring him so many flares, surely the, that body search was not. It's not very good. I'm apparently, not the, on that. apparently yeah. the Emir of Qatar was in attendance. No, and then once Verratti got sent off, he left. No, so he'd seen were, enough. The Emir was there. The dad, so obviously the, the former Emir was there as well. There was plenty of the royal family there. Uh, but they left early for security reasons, but not as soon as Verratti was sent off. Yeah, 10 minutes before full-time. Final right. Okay. Uh, no, uh, there, was, there, were, yeah, there were a lot of problems. With who, that, are they gonna, who, who are you going to buy this time? <laughs> the manager first, because obviously now uh-huh. that... I don't, I, don't, I don't even know how to call him. Uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Unai Emery. Yeah, yeah. him. You him. feel let down. I don't down. even want to say his name. Is he, is he the person you feel most let down by, Jules? Yeah, because, you know, we, we talked about building a team that's competitive, trying to win the Champions League. You cannot win the Champions League with a rubbish manager. If you look, if you look at it, it's, it's very simple. Chelsea might disagree with you there, is she? That's the only one. But he had a squad... With, and I'm not calling him rubbish, I'm just saying he's yeah, not, yeah. you know... A, but he had a squad who took charge of everything, basically. Uh-huh. You know, he had amazing players in that team, in that squad, experienced players, leaders, etc., that, you know, did the business more than him, I believe. Okay. More than Di Matteo. Mm-hmm. But if you look at everybody else, Ruiz Enrique, maybe there's still a question mark over if he's a very, if he's a great coach or, or not so much. But all the others, you cannot win it with having an average manager in charge. And I think the problem for PhD the last five years, four and a half years, is that they had Laurent Blanc, who was not good enough, mm-hmm. and Ruiz Enrique, who's not good, so enough, why... not good enough to win the Champions League. Yeah. They're good enough for Ligue 1, the sure. Cubs, Why are they not able to attract a really big name then? It's, it's a good question. I think... Especially they had Ancelotti, would yeah. yeah, and then he left because he couldn't turn down Real Madrid, and uh-huh. you can understand that. And after that, they tried so many managers, from Mourinho to Wenger to people like that, and couldn't get any. No, I know, I know, Wenger is... No, but do you see what I mean? That, yeah. that kind of calibre. Sure. And, and then Capello, you know, many names that didn't really fancy it, didn't maybe feel that the environment at the time was right or that the team was right, and ended up with Laurent Blanc, which was a disaster you in terms of European mm. results. 
Okay. Daybrook Red Outlaw asking the question of whether the lack of consistent quality in the French League is costing PSG in Europe. What's the biggest lesson that you would draw or you think PSG should draw from going out again? Or do you think it's Real Madrid, it can happen? Yeah, a bit of that. Real Madrid, it can happen. The second one is the manager, like I said. The third one as well is, okay, you you didn't... The, the strategy in the summer, which which is fascinating, was never to buy Neymar or Mbappé. The, name, the Neymar case arrived because Neymar and his dad decided to leave, well, especially Neymar, Barcelona. And this, they called Paris and said, you know, you wanted us last summer, it couldn't happen, do you still want us? And they were like, oh, wow, we hadn't planned for that, but yes. And then pretty much the same with Mbappe. There's, there's flaws in this team. You know, the keeper, Areola, did well, but I still think they could upgrade that with a no black or with a court or whatever. They're still in the defensive midfielder because as much as I love Thiago Mota, the only man in, on earth playing in Mizunos, he's just, he's just not good enough anymore at that level. You know, he's a lovely player to watch and the, the elegance and everything, but it's just not good enough. You know, it's not, it's not good enough anymore. Uh, a left back, Bershish. I mean, James is better than, than Bershish. He played for how, Cheltenham Town once, Bershish. How can Bershish play... Starts twice against Real Madrid in Champions League. It's crazy. So, but because you spend all your money on Mbappe and Neymar mm. that you hadn't even planned to buy. Can PSG spend more money next summer or are they now really out of excuses with FFP? No, they have to be careful, but they will sell. You know, uh-huh. I think a few players will go, like like Pastore probably, right. maybe even Di Maria. Yeah. And then they will, they will buy a number six, they will buy a left back, they probably buy a goalkeeper as well. Um, but the strategy in the summer was weird, but more because it, they had to go for it. You can't, you can't say no to Neymar and Mbappe if, if they want sure. to come to you. But that means there was not enough money left to, to, to make the, the other weak positions stronger, right. basically. But, and just to come back sorry, quickly yeah. on the, the league level, I don't know, City are walking the league here. No one is saying like, oh, it's too easy for them. They're not going to do well in Europe. At Barcelona, in in many ways, I find it quite easy. They're still unbeaten in La Liga. No one is saying, oh, it's too easy for them. So, in a way, maybe if they had more competitive, proper, proper competitive games in Liga, it would help them. But overall, over the season, I'm not really sure. All right. Let's talk about Real Madrid a bit because they actually won this game and have gone through. Who stood out Who stood out for you? Well, I was surprised by Mateo Kovacic oh, yeah. uh, in midfield. We mentioned earlier that uh, Zidane had the likes of Cruz, Bell and Isco on the bench. Um, and I thought Kovacic did quite well, yeah. basically, um, in front of that defence. Whenever someone got, on, got the run on him, he would slide in, win the ball back. Um, also, the wingers that they had. I thought Asensio caused Dani Alves a lot of problems. Um, and uh, Vasquez, just a, a very willing Vasquez. runner. I thought it was a very disciplined performance away from home. And of course, you have to acknowledge Cristiano Ronaldo scored in every single Champions League game this season. But the hang time he got for that header was yeah. He's incredible. Jordan. Really. In the mix on after the game, just quickly on Asensio, uh, Nasser Khalaifi, the PSG chairman, you could imagine the, the face that he would. He had on, came to speak to the guys, and then uh, the Spanish guy came on the side. And at the last question, he says, "Oh, uh, by the way, Asensio, isn't he a better player than Mbappe?" You could imagine. The- <laughs> and then Nasser Khalifi just looked at him and just walked away. Wow. I thought that was genius. All right, how excited are people about Timothy Ware in Paris? It's a great story. I just, I, it's too early to say if he if he's going to become an amazing player like his dad, or if he's going just going to be a, a good player or a very good player. But it's just the story of him making his debut, I think, 8,312 days after his dad's last game for PSG back in 95. And we were saying with James before the show, um, not many head of state's son 
you know, played, played or half played. Well, it's something we covered actually, Jules, yeah, on Monday. The only other one we could come up with was Al Sadi Gaddafi. <laughs> exactly. Not as much as merit as Timothy Weah. Well, we didn't really get the chance to find out. <laughs> Yeah, Sadly, true. Uh, anyway, all right. Well, also in the Champions League this midweek, Basel became the only team this season to beat both Man City and Man United with that two-one yeah. win at the Etihad. Quite the Wikipedia entry for Raphael Wiki. Yeah, to add to his name. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and the Liverpool uh, had a nil-nil draw with Porto. They'll be focusing, of course, on their big game Saturday lunchtime when they visit Old Trafford to take on Man United. That's a match that we'll be discussing very shortly. Next up, though. Dulwich Hamlet. In the news this week, Dulwich Hamlet. They went top of the Isthmian League Premier Division on Tuesday night, beating Billericay, moneyed Billericay, 3-1. They followed that up by being in serious danger of going out of existence thanks to their landlords, Meadow. Meadow hit them with an unanticipated bill for back rent of over £120,000, having previously withheld... Dulwich Hamlet's share of the bar receipts, which with which they might have tried to pay some of that. They then told the club Monday evening that their licence to play at the club had been revoked with immediate effect, essentially rendering them homeless, and then sent them a letter telling them that all their names and initials and logos had been registered as trademarks, sneakily, behind their backs, and could no longer be used by the club. How would you describe that behaviour, Jules? Outrageous. Yeah. And it's not just you saying that either. It's also people like Benji Lanyardo, who, with his company Pickfair, have been sponsoring Dulwich Hamlet. And he joins us now. Benji. Hey, Jimbo. What's the latest? Oh, the situation is now so absurd, it's, it's almost funny. I think it's worth just going back to where this mess all started. So three years ago, a New York-based hedge fund called Meadow purchased Champion Hill, Dulwich Hamlet Stadium, and the land around it because they wanted to build a big residential complex. Um, and the deal they did with the club was that they would build the club a new stadium on some adjacent land next door and then transfer 98% of the club to, to a fan's organisation so they become a fan-owned club. So, hypothetically, everyone was supposed to win. At this stage, they also took over the financial management of the club. So they ran the club. They were responsible for paying the, the players, the staff, the ground staff, the laundry bills. And crucially, they were also responsible for paying the rent that Dulwich Hamlet had to pay to, to, to use their own ground because they didn't use it anymore. They didn't own it anymore. Sorry. Mm. So just to reiterate, Meadow were responsible for paying themselves rent. So fast forward a couple of years. And last year, planning application was put forward for this big residential block by Meadow, uh, and Southwark Council rejected it because they didn't include anywhere near enough affordable housing provision. Then there was a, a, a big um, uh, legal wrangle started between the council and Meadow. And at that stage, Meadow started using Dulwich Hamlet as a bargaining chip. And the first thing they did was say, right, you're now responsible for the finances. Um, and by the way, that includes an operational shortfall. So you've got to find £3,000 a month just to stay alive. And they've done that. Through, through fan donations over the last four or five months. So this is essentially Dulwich being used as a bargaining chip. Absolutely right. So Meadow are New York property developers, and, and uh, we've, got, we've got one of those running the White House at the moment. We're quite familiar with some of their, their tactics, and they are bullying Dulwich Hamlet to try and get uh, Southwark Council back to the negotiating table. But this bill that was delivered on Tuesday for £120,000 in back rent. What's the annual budget at Dulwich? Um, so they would make a loss uh, month to month of about three grand, and I think it costs about seven grand to, 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 keep, the, to keep the club running, which is right. fairly standard. But crucially, this rent bill was the rent that Meadow was supposed to be paying themselves. 
which has now been lumped onto Dulwich Hamlet, um, which is totally outrageous. And so Meadows' tactics are dramatically backfiring because now it's all over the press and everyone knows exactly how they operate. And so the council are even less likely to do any business whatsoever with them. Well, yeah, but that's still a problem for Dulwich Hamlet then. Not necessarily. Now that, that we can assume that Southwark Council allowing Meadow to, to put forward this application and build the housing blocks is, is off the table, there are, there are only really two outs now for Meadow. One is they sell the club to somebody. Rio Ferdinand's um, legacy organisation has already put in a bid for, for £10 million. By the way, they bought the assets for 5.7, so that would already be a profit. Or, and this is a real possibility, Southwark Council put in a compulsory purchase order, which means there's nothing they can do about it, and Southern Ca- Southwark Council take over. Compulsory purchase orders are usually reserved for, you know, people that own houses in the middle of where a motorway is supposed mm, to go. Yeah. Um, they, they can, they can, you know, local authorities can take the land from them. Um, that might actually happen to Meadow from Southwark Council. Okay, so Peter John, the, the council leader, has joined the mayor of London, Sadiq Khan, has also got involved in this story. Is that right? That's right. And this, this is why this makes it even clearer that Meadow don't have any options left. Because even if hypothet- hypothetically... Uh, Southwark Council were to give the go-ahead to this uh, residential complex, the GLA have to rubber stamp it at the end. And and Sadiq Khan said, I'm not going to do that. So there's nowhere really left for uh, Meadow to go. So Mm. hopefully... Sadly, that's also true right now of Dulwich Hamlet in the short term. Not necessarily. I I, I Um, think... Do you have a... Can you... Where where are they going to be playing their games? So at the moment, there's a big question mark there. It looks as if Meadow might allow them... To, to, to play at Champion Hill for the rest of the season. But they are also in talks with, um, with uh, other local football teams to do ground shares, um, mm. you know, places like Tooting and Mitcham, who obviously, as you know, are a huge rival of, of, of Dulwich Hamlet, but they, they put their rivalries aside for the, for the good of football. And there's this kind of real moral imbalance going on between how Dulwich Hamlet are, are operating themselves at the moment and how Meadow are. Mm. Wow. Outraged listeners can do what to help, Benji? So go to Dulwich Hamlet's Twitter feed where you'll see all the links to the GoFundMe pages. Um, and the biggest thing you can do is to talk about this. Please tell your friends, talk about it in the pub, tell your family, tweet about it, because the more attention that is poured onto this issue, the less likely it is that Dulwich Hamlet will go out of business. Mm. And obviously buy lots of things from Pickfair, because that Pickfair.com. You know, trickle down. That's it. So we're, we're an Airbnb for images. So any photographers out there wanting to sell images to any business out there, whether they're a publisher or a small business looking for social media, advertising, go to pickfair.com. All right, I, I meant that kind of ironically, but you really <laughs> took the ball <laughs> around. Give me the opportunity. Yeah, I'm yeah. going to take it. I'm going to take it. <laughs> Benji, all right, well, I, I'm so glad that you've, you've got positive news because reading the developments the last couple of days, it looked unbelievably bleak, like, you know, the suits basically were crushing poor old Douglas Hamlet under their their moneyed heels, but there's there's hope out there. And, and good to see as well, one local council... In contrast to, say, the situation for poor old Millwall that they've been through recently, one local council actually on, on, apparently on the side of the good guys. Yep, I think they've seen what can happen if you don't back local community football clubs. Right. Benji, get back out there with your pitchfork and your torch <laughs> and, uh, you know, fight the good fight. Thanks so much for coming in today. No problem. Benji Laniado, who's wearing, by the way, one of the nicest shirts in football right, right now, which is the Dulwich Hamlet a purple and pink mm. sash. Really cool, yeah. It's almost like if Fiorentina and Palermo merged. Yeah, with a kind of river plate sash. Nice. And if you fancy getting your hands on one of them, they're, they're, they're like gold dust at the moment. Uh, but we'll be giving one away soon in our Friday football quiz, which happens on Fridays, Jules. Yeah. Yeah, on Facebook at 12.30 GMT. Let's see what are the pri- prizes this week. 
can't have that one this week because I'm I'm going to wear I'm going to take it to the the this big um, fabric of football event in Manchester with classic football shirts. Classic football shirts have given us a, an Ireland shirt that we'll be giving out to the best tweet of the night when we're at Vicar Street on Monday the 19th with James, you and, and, and Julian yourself. Ticketmaster.ie for the last remaining tickets for that. They've also given us, and this is special, a 2016 Denmark home shirt. Ooh. Which player is it? It's not the, it's not the prince, is it? It is. <laughs> no way. Big Nicky Bentner. Yeah. All right, excellent. Also... Uh, we're going to be giving away FIFA 365 trading cards. Ooh. And a signed copy of Rafa's book on Jurgen Klopp. Which is great. Have they read. not pulped that yet? Come on. Oh. He's not here. <laughs> so, anyway, that's all happening at 12.30 uh, on the Totally Football League show, which is out now. Ian and the gang get very excited about Gary Monk's arrival at Birmingham City, which uh, admittedly didn't begin too well. He lost 1 0 against his former side, Borough, on Tuesday. In other championship news, Cardiff won their fifth game in a row. Crikey, David. Well, and they've moved within six points of Wolves at the top. At the other end, Sunderland lost 3-0 at home to Aston Villa. How bad are things with Sunderland, David? Increasingly bad. Just when, really? you, th- just when you think it can't get any worse, it gets worse. I, I've got no hope. Really? All my, yeah. I think that's the only thing we've had over the last f- five or six seasons. We've, we've held on to the hope that we can stay up. Which hope was that? Well, the, the, the fact that the fact that we kept staying up, and oh. then then when that w- yeah. left us last season, then it's just been yeah, I can't see it ending. Wow! Uh, even if we were in League One this year, we would struggle in League One. It's just bereft of in, confidence and quality, really. Right? Is, is there is there something of a vicious circle here in that the further down you go, the less likely the so less likely Ellis Short is is to sell the club. Yeah, um, it, it becomes a, a less sort of uh, attractive proposition for people. And the only thing that's going to change it now is a change of owner. And when that happens, then they can sort out everything else at the club and and bring everything back in line because everything is all over the place, not just on the pitch, it's off the pitch as well. Mm. All right. Hey, uh, in other non-league news, we were talking about Dulwich Hamlet before. Hemel Hempstead, you probably saw the story there of the new star signing Sanchez Watt, formerly of Arsenal. You are. Yeah. Yeah. He got booked. The referee asked his name. He responded, "What? This happened three times." So the ref gave him a second yellow for dissent. <laughs> Brilliant. It's like yes. the Three Stooges sketch, yeah. which is yeah. the for me the, the there's never been a funnier sketch written. Mm. Who's on first? Okay, um, let's get back to the Premier League after this. Men and ladies of the Totally Football Show, why waste time going to the shop to buy overpriced quadruple bladed vibrating turbo razors and making the likes of Thierry Henry and Roger Federer even richer by doing so? Instead, head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally and pick up a personally engraved razor and six super sharp blades delivered right to your door for just £4. There are no gimmicks with Cornerstone, just a closer, smoother shave than ever before. And it doesn't just work on your face either. I used it on Jimbo's head before we started recording. Mm. Head to cornerstone.co.uk slash totally to see for yourself. And if you don't love your first Cornerstone shave, they'll give you your money back, no questions asked. Man United taking on Liverpool in the early kickoff this weekend. It's the battle for second. Two of the last three meetings have ended ended goalless. In fact, there's been some really <laughs> dreadful meetings between these two teams in recent years. Is there a sense that maybe United are loosening up a, bit, a little bit for this one here? I'd like to see them go with the approach that they had in the, what, the second half against Palace mm. from the start um, because um, Mourinho, I mean, for all of his detractors at times this season, 
had a massive influence on, on that game uh, with the changes he made. Um, you know, for example, making Lingard a right back for for a half, putting Sanchez through the middle, bringing on Rashford to play on the left, and um, yeah, I, I think that was that was much better than what he'd initially set up with, which was what a quite a conservative four three three, which saw them go two 0 down to, to Palace on mm. Monday night. Yeah, but it's all been forced on him that though. You yeah, know what I mean? sure. It, yeah. It, it, and he was Palace. Yeah, of course. Yeah. So Rashford came on and immediately brought a whole new kind of verve to the United side, even with that. Without De Gea's save on Benteke, which was yet another example of De Gea brilliance. Yeah, and where they'd be without him. I mean, somebody, I think it was FB Whispers, did a little little bit of um, sort of background on, on where they would be without him. And it, it, Presumably they'd have another goalkeeper, I'm thinking. So yeah, it's, it's hard yeah, to quantify. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> no, but it, it, compared to an average goal, the average okay, goalkeeper in yeah. the Premier League, um, it possibly have, has won them 13 points this season. I did see somebody say... If De Gea had been at Arsenal and Petr Cech had been at Man United, where would the two clubs be right now? Yeah. Well, I mean, there is that. He might have won them points or he might have just sort of um, kept the score down. But, I mean, mm. it, it's, it, it is builds this weekend. It is David De Gea against Salah, Marnie and Firmino. Right. And, and I think it's whoever comes out on top with that because I think, yeah, I, I, can, I can really see Liverpool winning this one. You can. Yeah. They haven't uh, picked up a win at Old Trafford since the days of Rogers uh, and Moyes. Well, well, why, why go with anything like that? Why go with history? I mean, it's, I'm not, I'm not really well, I'm not really well known for that. I'm trying to make friends with Liverpool fans here okay. for saying that we're going to no, join nil nil. To be honest, <laughs> in, in, in with the Maribor. No, no, yeah, with Maribor. So there's an agenda. So it's here. an olive branch yeah, here. Really, that was. Uh, but I'm with you. Why go with history? Because these are these are different clubs to to those days with with different managers. Some of the same players, but hey. Apart from De Gea, is there any United player who would get into the Liverpool team? Yeah. Oh, yeah. Pogba. Come on, Pogba. Woody. Yeah. Woody at the moment? Yeah. Well, at the moment. Good good, good point. But on still, paper. Still, yeah, on paper. On, still. Mm. A lot of people questioning Sanchez and his influence on the team at the moment. He's he has great. only just arrived and it's midway through the season. But Selhurst Park was not his finest hour. I mean, he's great at giving the ball away. Uh, he's consistent in that regard. I think he does it what on average thirty times a game. Really? Which, yeah. he was, last year, Arsenal. <laughs> he was the player of the whole season who lost, who gave the ball away the most. Really? And it's not surprising. I mean, he, why would? But he is change? that because he tries things more? No, it's just it seems that people are noticing him more now than he than in the past. But it was exactly the same at Arsenal. There's nothing new there. Maybe it's because he tries. I'm not even sure it's that. I, th- I just think that's that's what he does. You know, he gets it back. He he dribbles. It's just. Uh, mm. You don't no no but what I want to say <laughs> you would want him to tidy his game a little bit uh-huh. so he would give he would give the ball away a bit less right yes but you fear that if you take that sort of streetwise approach away from him well it's it's not the same Alexis then so I guess there's a balance to find mm. but against Palace I thought he was like of course before really that bad. at Old Trafford they'd beaten Chelsea and looked pretty dominant in doing so. Well, they've come back from behind in, yeah. in back-to-back mm. games. Mm. Um, they've shown great character in that regard. I, th- I do think Mourinho has sort of a bit of a selection uh, issue at the back for this game, not only because he's facing that um, terrific front three that Liverpool have, but I don't think Lindelof particularly played well against Palace, so I think they'd be looking at bringing in Bailly. And then what do you do about Salah? Um, I think when people have managed to, I don't know, curb his uh, his ability. It's when they've played sort of a right footer on the left side, 
um, to sort of stop him coming inside. Um, I think Spurs have done that well on occasion with Aurier. Do they play Damian on that side? I don't know. But yeah, those I think those are some some things that will be running through Jose's mind right. in preparation for this. David, I remember you on a previous uh, podcast uh, arguing for some consistency from Jurgen Klopp in terms of his goalkeeper selection. It certainly seems as, as though Loris Carius has benefited from a regular place in the side. Yeah, he's been, uh, Klopp's been re- rewarded for that. And I think it's... If you've got two goalkeepers who are playing very well, like in the case of Bravo and uh, Testegen at Barcelona a couple of seasons ago, then it can work well for you. When you've got two goalkeepers who are very unsure of the way they're playing, they're out of form, it can just be heaps more pressure on them, becomes negative. And, and he's not only is he making saves now, not only are they winning games and he's not making mistakes, but he's making them at crucial times. I think it was yeah, 16 out of the last 18 saves he's made have, have come at the time when the game's been in the balance. When they say they've been one goal in the game or nil nil, so that's been the most important. And you see, just we can talk about sort of uh, technique and tactics and philosophies in football and that, but confidence is a huge factor, especially in goalkeeping. And you can see, he looks a totally different goalkeeper. There's not as uh, any nerves in his play when the ball was going back to him. He's taking far too much time, and the ball getting closed down, and that sort of spreads to the side as well. And we've seen none of that lately. Oh, super. Five clean sheets in their last seven games for Liverpool. And that's that's one of the things they've got going for them about getting a win at Old Trafford because they are more solid at the back. Even though they made a lot of changes the other night, there's another clean sheet against Porto um, despite Moreno playing. You're, so, really try, you're really trying hard to get Liverpool fans your Why? Fans. Was there beef? <laughs> yeah, is there Was there like, beef with you and Liverpool fans? Got, I've, got, I've got a bit of stick. But on, on that goalkeeping front as well, oh, yeah. uh, hearing as well that they're, um, despite his good form, that's they're very much still interested in Alisson and will push everything they can to get him. Right. Of course, Roma are known for their tough negotiating with Liverpool over player sales. Now, playing later on Saturday, but of course watching that lunchtime fixture with interest, are Chelsea, who are five points off the top four in the race for Champions League places, and they will be hosting that same Palace side that narrowly got beaten by that wonder strike from Matic on Monday by Man United. Oh, you don't think it was a wonder strike? Yeah, of course it was a wonder strike, but I, st- I still think it was avoidable. Oh, Hennessy, yeah. yeah maybe it's not Hennessy, because I mean, by the time the ball yeah. travels and goes past the last defender, that's when he just sees the ball. I think he was a little bit unsighted, uh, especially with um, Lukaku, who was, was in offside position. Mm-hmm. But it was the fact that it was... Um, Milivojevic. Yeah, not closing down. Yeah, not closing down. And it's not the fact that... It, I mean, they did really well uh, it, the whole side for 70 minutes. They were closing down, working really hard, and you can see they were tiring. But it took more effort for him to turn his back and get out the way of that strike than it, than it would have to, to just walk towards um, uh, Matic and just close him down. And if he just went straight onto him to close him down, didn't have to even make an effort. The ball would just hit him in his midriff and, and they'd, be going, uh, they'd be happy with the one point. All right. Well, they have a new man between the posts... On Saturday, when they visit Stamford Bridge, possibly. And when um, as a Cavalieri came in, yeah, yeah it, it when it, when he's interviewed Roy Hodgson, he said that he he had a good chance of playing before the end of the season. Mm-hmm. They've been struggling in that department with injuries, so it, they definitely needed somebody coming. They were desperate to bring somebody in January, and they they just couldn't do it. Um, so I'm, I'm not. I'm not. Too, I'm not too sure because, I, I, despite all the the criticism that he gets, and I know a lot of Palace fans aren't happy with Wayne Hennessy, he has actually been improved this season. Uh-huh. Against Spurs, he made some outstanding saves. I thought. Yeah. Hennessy. Oh yeah, and again, it was a late goal. Yeah, that it did was a late goal. Heartbreaking for Palace, who I think at about 16 minutes to 10 on Monday night, we're up in 13th place. 
but instead find themselves very much in the bottom three. Mm. Mm. Is this going to go any better for them, do you think, this trip to Stamford Bridge? Well, they've beaten Chelsea in the last two games, they haven't they, yeah. when they played against them. But a big part of that was, was Zaha, scored on both of those occasions. Um, I think he is coming back into fitness, but whether he's, he's, he's ready in time for this game... I don't believe he's due to be exactly, ready for this yeah. one. So... But Chelsea themselves may be distracted by their upcoming European fixture in which they will be visiting the uh, new Camp next week. And also, things are not great, let's be honest, Chelsea. I mean, they haven't been for a long time, but uh, I think the whole backlash from that City game, the, the, the public, you know, publicly criticising Conte, even Eden Hazard, one of the most nicest, and we talked about him on the show a few times. Is he nice? Yeah, he's a lovely, lovely guy. Is he? Really, okay. yeah. probably too nice in this industry compared to other players, for example, who you know would push or strike like Riyad Mahrez. I don't think Eden Hazard would never do what Mahrez did you know, when his move to City fell through, for example. Uh-huh. And for him to come out and be like, I could have played three hours and never touched is, the ball. It was is like, he just a bit more that's passive so unlike him. No, it's just so unlike him. I think he got to a point that maybe they've had enough mm. of all that sort of negativity. I feel like I've run around a lot without actually playing a game of football. He's yeah, yeah. And it, nice, yeah. yeah, he said that I think I could have played three hours and I would never touch the surely ball. He, he, surely he meant I walked around a lot, no? Yeah. Kante could be back. Apparently he was fainting before the Man City game, which is uh, why he wasn't included in the eleven. there. I do hope he's feeling better. Arsenal are in action this evening, of course, uh, away at San Siro. Uh, it is a clash with Watford on Sunday. Is this going to be five defeats in a row, Julian Laurent? It could well be the Troy Deeney uh, bullying. Or, or six. six. Yeah. yeah. Could get worse. What we were saying earlier, when you don't, you don't think it's going to get worse, it could actually get worse for them. Um, if you remember... I mean, the last few times they played Watford, whether that was at the Emirates or at Watford, it didn't really go well for them. Well, uh, Watford won the last two against yeah, Arsenal, yeah. Because, especially in the attitude, the aggression, um, they just couldn't cope with what Troy Dini, especially uh, in the last game when he came on mm-hmm. at home. But, uh, you know, but overall, I think it's just not the type of team they like playing against. The last uh, meeting last- was. The last meeting was the Cajones. Yes, yes game. exactly. What kind of atmosphere is there going to be? Is there going to be an atmosphere at the Emirates? We know there'll is be there about 58,000 people there. No, I think it's toxic. Toxic? Yeah, but yeah, it's toxic. It would be toxic if they, if they get beaten by Milan. Even if they don't get beaten by Milan on Thursday, and we're obviously recording this Thursday, so we don't know yet. It would be toxic, whatever. I think the whole thing is, is a big mess. 41 years since lost five in a row. But yeah, but people said the last now, time. Now, now you come with I, the history. I, the last time they lost four. The last, the, last time, the last time they lost four in a row was two thousand two. Two years later, they were invincible. So those streak about losing. Yeah, I've lost five games in a fortnight. Have you? Yeah, many times probably. <laughs> yeah. uh, they're five points ahead of Burnley, Jules. Yeah, imagine. Yeah, imagine Burnley going to be at West Ham, who are having an interesting time of it, coming off a four-one defeat, of course. Well, back to uh, back, 4-1 defeats. Oh, yeah, that's yeah. true. Oh, also an interesting atmosphere potentially at Everton as the side that beat the Gunners last weekend, Brighton, visit Goodison Park. It was a draw. 90th minute Rooney penalty that earned Everton a point away at the Amex. They have been doing better at home than they do on the road, but then you know, they couldn't do worse than they've been doing on the road, Everton. <laughs> no. Uh, I think if uh, if Everton... Uh, if Everton defend set piece like they did last weekend, then uh, then Brighton will take full advantage of that because they're very strong. They're flying at the moment, aren't they? Yeah, mm. 
seven right. games unbeaten. Ashley Williams is suspended, which actually Ooh. might be to Everton's benefit. <laughs> That's a good thing for Everton. Right. Did you know that only Aguero and Salah have more goals in 2018 than Glenn Murray? Mm-hmm. And did they also forget to pay their taxes? Ooh. I don't know. I don't That's know. But, you know, it's like there are players who can only score in the championship and we'll, we'll play for a Premier League team and just not cut it because mm. they're just not good enough for that level. Others are just good for League One, League Two. And I thought for a long time Glenn Murray was only a very good championship striker but couldn't couldn't just make it in the Premier League. And, you know, his age and he's in his own style, let's be honest, he's doing pretty good. He's proved so many people wrong. At the bottom, the situation is that West Brom are eight points off safety. Palace and Stoke are in the bottom three with them. Those two teams only one point off 17th. Just above the drop zone are Saints, one point from the bottom three. Newcastle are two points from the danger zone. And Newcastle host Saints this weekend. Goals galore. I'm thinking if there's one thing these two teams know how to do... (laughs) Well, there was four goals, goals when they last met. Was there? Yeah, it was yeah. a two-two draw. Two. What? Yeah. Oh yeah. That was a long time ago. That was a long time ago. It was October. Manolo Gabbiadini scored twice. That's the only two goals he scored. No, or maybe he had no. He scored two others. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Two others. Okay. Wow. But yeah, master against pupil again, Benitez and uh, Pellegrino. Um, but um, yeah, I think it's uh, a shame that Newcastle will be without uh, what John Joe Shelby yeah. and uh, Slimani still still Man, hurt. This is so. this is crazy. How can you sign a player? In January, and mid-March, the guy still hasn't played. Well, well I, I, I think it's, well, it's not an injury, I don't think. I think he's, he's just not much fit, and, and they're not prepared to play him yet. But I don't care what's the reason. Just don't, why do you sign him? But the other question that some Newcastle fans are asking is, why is it that Rafa never gave a proper chance to Alexander Mitrovic and has indeed sent him on loan to Fulham, where he's absolutely flying? Yeah, five goals in four games. Yeah. I, I, I'm not sure about that. I'm sure he did give him the chance to stay, and I think it was Mit- more Mitrovic's decision to leave. Oh, really? Yeah, I think so. I was reading that yesterday. Well, presumably because he wasn't getting game time. Yeah. I don't, just, just quoting what I've seen, you know, when I've been out on the tune message. On the streets. Oh, on the streets. streets. Yeah. 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 There is, David, one good bit of news for Newcastle fans. Isn't there... In the shape of Martin Dubravka. Is that right? Is that how I say that? Yeah, Dubravka, yeah. Dubravka, okay. Yeah, he's had an impressive start. First couple of games, he's um, he, he was one that's... Uh, he'd just come out of the blue, really. Somebody who uh, was just a piece of paper on Rafa's desk that he was sorting through. He's desperate to bring his own goalkeeper in. Not that he was very he, that unhappy with the keeper he's got there, but he, it was basically a, a case of that he just wanted his own man in. And um, he sorted through... And, Fair play to him. He he did his homework and he come up with Martin and he's he had a brilliant debut obviously uh, against Manchester United. Turned the game with a save uh, from Martial with his feet and then he just went on from there. And even last uh, last weekend performed very well again. Uh, player of the month for Newcastle this uh, this month. Is that right? Yeah, yeah. All right. There's still only two points above the drop, but a chance to extend that this weekend. Stoke, who are Crystal Palace's neighbours in the bottom three, will be hosting City. Good luck with that. Uh, yeah. Well, do you know, of course, Stoke had that amazing record against City at home. Remember Peter Crouch? This is incredible. Oh, yeah. yeah incredible yeah. goal. Of course, more recently, they've lost 7-2 to Man City at the Etihad <laughs> and, and indeed 4-1 when City visited the Bet365 last time. But they came back to 3-2, didn't they? They were 3-0 down and then came back to 3-2. And then what, got, at the Etihad? They yeah. again. But yeah. the worst thing for, for Stoke is mm. that defeat against Basel because Pep was not happy at all. And 
you can you know that it's going to lead into the players and that they're going to get on Monday night like proper we have to make this right after what happened in midweek or even if it was a, like a sort of a B team even if they were already through blah 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 I don't think Pep would care about that and just like you have to go go back out now and show me that that was just I never want to see this again Absolutely so, good Aguero got a hat-trick last time City visited the Bet365 Gabriel Jesus though is back in the picture now and back on the score sheet uh, yeah. he scored their goal against Basel Fernandinho and Sterling on their way back from injury Huddersfield taking on Swansea Swansea fresh from that 4-1 win over West Ham what's gone on with Swansea Carlos Carvalhal of course but also Key who's been well Key Key indeed Andy are you brothers why what is it because I keep reading keys what what does he do exactly that (laughs) why is he key he he's a very clever player to start with in midfield he Mm -hmm. runs a lot he controls the game and I think there was a lot of time uh, in the past where they just couldn't have that control over games and I think he helped that and you know if you add the sort of confidence that Cavajal has has been bringing also the the sort of like um, smile aspect Mm -hmm. because what everybody's saying is that he just arrived and said like you know smiling telling jokes and I think the atmosphere who was a bit gloom let's be honest before under Paul Clement has just like brightened up and everybody feels that confidence feels that sort of happiness and Jordan Ayew they, I think they haven't lost every time he's scored this season so I think there's an element of that I think with Key as well his contract's up at the end of the year and uh, let's yeah. say players like to is play is it true David <laughs> is it true that players really turn it on when they Surely. know that yeah some players do yeah it's a nice well-known fact. If you you know it, whether it's subconscious or not, you, mm. you, you've got that extra motivation to to do well, run that extra yard. Okay, are all West Ham's players on really long contracts? <laughs> <laughs> no one is playing for a new one for sure. They are going to be home to Burnley this weekend. Of course, they had a particularly dismal time of it at Swansea, but they're a bit better at home. Burnley are the lowest scorers in the Premier League. Woo! But they won their first game of 2018 last weekend. And the first game where in the Premier League under Daesh, they went behind and won it, actually, ah. in 53. Is that right? Fif- that was the 54 game they went behind, uh-huh. and they only had 11 draws. And they had 11 draws and 42 defeats before in those 30, first 53, and it was the first one they came back and won. Tosson's, uh, he, he needed that goal, definitely needed that goal, because even from the people I've been speaking to, that he hasn't really impressed during training sessions either. So it's taking a little time for him to settle in. It was a surprise when he featured in the starting lineup. Yeah, yeah, they, they, they've. Uh, he's not really had a great start there. No, so he's taking some time. Mm. West Brom <laughs> taking on Leicester at the uh, at the Hawthorns. Five successive league defeats for them. It, it has been stay, stuck with Alan Pardew. We'll see what what happens there. Yeah, no, because we'll be because obviously in one Monday. week he's going to change everything. Mm. He's going to become a great manager, which he isn't. The team is going to get full of confidence, which they're not, and mm-hmm. they won't have. I don't understand that. I mean, I, no, don't want to get me started. You're listening to The Totally Football Show with James Richardson. And if you want to listen to us on your Amazon Dot or Echo, just ask Alexa to enable The Totally Football Show skill. Hello to you if you're an international woman, because it's your day this Thursday as we record this. Oh, speaking of women and internationals... The She Believes Cup, which in the early hours of this morning, unbeknownst to me, I thought it was t- t- tonight. USA and the Lionesses, who were both on four points atop that group, faced each other and USA won 1-0 thanks to an unfortunate own goal from Karen Bardsley. 
Millie Bright's attempted clearance, striking her and going into the net. Neville's side came close to an equaliser late on as Ellen White's header bounced off the inside post, but they fell to a defeat which left them runners-up in the competition. I'm telling you this, Jules, but you know because you actually watched it. Yeah, I did, yeah, because I came back from Wembley when it was kicking off. So ah. I thought I'd watch it, and it was a good watch. Yeah? Yeah, it was really good. Excellent. I thought they played well. I thought England played well. I thought they were a bit unlucky on some uh, counter-attacks where the pass was just a, a little bit too over here, stuff like that. But I think they, they showed some really good potential. OK. Uh, if you had to pick one player out of that clash to put into a, uh, a Premier League side, which would it be? Mallory Pugh, the, uh, the 19-year-old right-winger who I thought was amazing. She had pace. She, she plays like Raheem Sterling, basically. Mm. And she was really, really outstanding. She's fantastic. OK. Hey, Alex saying, should football push for equality by scrapping women's football and making the men's game open to the best players, regardless of gender? It's an experiment that the visionary Luciano Gauci, of course, wanted to introduce into Serie A in the 90s, uh, home of Equality of the Sexes Italy, <laughs> uh, when he signed a, a top Scandinavian player only for the you know the suits to basically slam the door on his project. Uh, Luciano Gauci is a fascinating story. I'm and sure he will feature in one of our well, Golazzo. I'm just going to say because he, he also tried to sign a horse, did he not? Well, or one of his horses, something <laughs> like that. He wanted to have a team full of horses, but he ran into trouble when he gave a referee a horse. As we pointed out at the time, it was the whole it's one, not have, just have, the head. This is not true. This but anyway, the authorities they did draw the line at him giving a referee a horse. Uh, yeah, definitely. I'm 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 here for a Luciano Gauci Golazza special. It'll be on a Wednesday, probably quite soon, because there's so much to yeah. talk about. The oh. player was actually German. It was uh, Birgit oh. Prince. Oh, okay. Um, who he tried to sign, but uh, as you say, was thwarted. Mm. So she never got to play in uh, in Syria. Instead, she was just what I think recently before much retiring like... retired at Hoffenheim. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah, Jules, much what, like Alcide Gaddafi, of course. Wasn't there a, a female manager at uh, the Claremont? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Corinne Diak, who then went on to take the uh, France women's team. Uh, but he worked out really well. She did, she did great there. And I think more women coaches probably deserve to have a chance, you know, maybe not start straight away in a top flight league somewhere, but at least in the second division, third division, you know. Gareth Paulson says, uh, as a suggestion for Golat, so the sad story of Gianluigi Lentini and oh, how right. one terrible accident potentially robbed us of a great football talent. It, that's another interesting story. And it also features another strong woman, uh, Mrs. Scalacci. Scalacci. Yeah. 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 But, but that's a story for another Wednesday. <laughs> <laughs> mm-hmm. All right, well, having chatted about the football, let's now get the odds from Paddy Power with Ian McIntosh. Thanks, James. Joining me here in Studio B to Lee Price from Paddy Power. How are you? I'm good. How are you, Ian? I am very good indeed. (laughs) Very good indeed. Uh, A lot better than anyone who supports Tottenham after last night. Um, They're out of the Champions League. So are Paris Saint-Germain. Call me cynical... But what about Maurizio Pochettino heading over there? Yeah, I spy a conspiracy. Actually, some backlash against Poch last night, believe it or not, from Tottenham fans. Madness, absolute madness. He's 10 to 1 to be the next PSG boss, but he's some way behind the leading contenders. Leo Jardin is the favourite, 12 to 5. Luis Enrique is at 6 to 1. And how about Jose Mourinho or Arsene Wenger, both at 7 to 1? Arsene Wenger, there's an interesting one. Um, Big game in the Premier League this weekend, Saturday lunchtime. Oh, God, it's Manchester United against Liverpool. It's going to be a stinker, isn't it? Uh, I think so. Uh, 0-0 is 9-1, to which is excellent value if you ask me, given 
previous fixtures between these sides. I was asked earlier if there was going to be more than two goals in the game, what would the odds be? And incredibly, our traders make that odds on 19 to 20. Really? Yeah, I Have think there's more Have you watched any of these games recently? God. I don't think so. 9 to 1 for 0 0. That's my nap of the week. And there's a money back special in this one, too. Yeah, so for this game, we're offering money back as a free bet if Lukaku scores, which uh, historically hasn't done great in the big games, but recently he has scored against Chelsea, so that counts as something. Uh, this counts for first, last, anytime goal scorers, correct score and what odds paddy markets, max refund £10 and retail only. All right, Arsenal. It's all going horribly, horribly, horribly wrong for Arsenal. We're speaking before they play AC Milan. After that, Watford. Watford are a bit of a bogey side. Um, can they beat Arsenal 2-1 for the third time running? Uh, yes, in a word. Um, <laughs> Odds-wise, you want to bet on it, Ian. It's 17-1, and Watford generally a great value at 9-2 to beat Arsenal. Arsenal, we still make odds-on to win at home 4-9. I really wouldn't fancy that at all. No, no, me neither. Now, uh, Peter Crouch... There's a man who's scored a few worldies, scored the worldie of all worldies against Manchester City once. Um, what odds can we get on Peter Crouch scoring any goal of any quality against Man City? Uh, my favourite player uh, of all time, Peter Crouch, is 4-1 to one to score Man City and he's 25-1 to one to play for England this summer. 25-1 to one to play for England this summer? Wow, stranger things have happened. <laughs> Lee Price, thank you so much for joining us. We'll speak again on Monday. Thank you. You can find out these odds and more at paddypower.com. It's 18 plus only. BeGambleAware.org. And when the fun stops, stop. James Horncastle, many thanks uh, for being with us today. Thanks for having me. We'll see you on next week's Golazzo. See. Julianne, what have you got cooking? I've got uh, the Europa League tonight. Bingo. BT Sport. I'll be doing the highlight show. And then... Um, Who's on with you? Gem and Genus, I think. Oh, yeah. Yeah. David? Newcastle Southampton for me this Ooh. weekend, yes. And Did you uh, pick that or was it picked for you? N- no, I'm I'm just up there. Okay. Yeah, so Yeah, I'm well good I'm hoping it's another four goal thriller. Yes, so am I. I I'm quite in uh, I've been quite enjoying going to watch Newcastle play. Okay. Funnily enough. It's been a nice little holiday away from uh, what's going on at the Stadium of Light. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, well, yeah. Very good. Uh, well thank you for being with us today. Look forward to seeing you back down here. At Jazz FM soon. Yes, and, and good can luck I, with you. Yeah. yeah. Can I just say, everyone, follow the the number one post- podcast is at No One Podcast. At N O One Podcast. Yeah, and uh, for everything goalkeeping. All right, all your goalkeeping needs. Yeah. It's the number one podcast. Keeping it real. Oh. Oh yeah, that's nice. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Where were you two weeks ago? <laughs> Yeah. Uh, you could have like a, a mail when people send in tweets it could be like you know your between the posts section <laughs> save that Jimbo alright then uh, good when we launch our own totally <laughs> totally number one <laughs> no Ian I was joking uh, anyway so uh, right that's it then for today we'll be back on Monday have a super weekend the Totally Football Show is a Muddy Knees Media production. For sales and advertising, email sales at muddykneesmedia.com. Gentlemen, are you feeling a bit crap? Well, you're not alone. Everyone does at some point. But the thing people don't realise is just how common it is in chaps like you and me. Last year, 76% of all the suicides in Britain were male. That's 4,287 men, a figure not much smaller than the average League 2 attendance last season. On average, 12 men take their own life every single day, meaning that the leading cause of death for men under 45 in the UK is suicide. 
But that's part of the problem. There's still a strong social stigma around depression and suicide, and this can often stop men from opening up and seeking help when they need it. That's why we at the Totally Football Shows are working with Calm. They're the Campaign Against Living Miserably, a charity dedicated to preventing male suicide in the UK. Every day from 5pm till midnight, they provide a free, confidential and anonymous helpline and web chat for any man who needs support. They've also got a website and a free magazine packed with the kind of information you need if you or any of your mates are having a rough time, as well as some cracking stuff on comedy, bands, film and of course football too. So if you are feeling crap, find Calm at thecalmzone.net for support and some straight-up manspiration.